Hey, Enneagram friends, I'm Abby, an IA accredited Enneagram coach and certified somatic experiencing practitioner. And today it's a live coaching session with an Enneagram seven that joins me in the coaching space. In our session, we explore the orientation of positivity and the avoidance of negative emotions as part of that natural type seven structure. We consider the experience of idolizing a situation and the incredible disappointment that can be experienced when that situation doesn't meet what's hoped for. We talk about how to experience and metabolize emotion so they don't just keep hanging out in the passenger seat, unresolved and ignored while we keep driving on. This type seven is someone that is a part of a coaching group that I facilitate with women that are all in the assertive stance. And so it was great to have an opportunity to connect with her one-on-one in the coaching space um, instead of just in that group space. So I hope that you'll listen in with curiosity and see what resonates in your experience. As we kind of settle into our coaching space together, um, I'm curious what is on your mind, what you have considered, what feels most helpful for us to explore during our time together. Hmm. Um, the first thing I think of is um, the main thing that I've become aware of through learning from you is the term toxic positivity, <clears throat> which. I know has a little bit of a negative connotation. And so I'm not shaming myself or like putting some label of negativity on myself. However, to become aware that there, there is a level of unhelpfulness when you, there is such a thing as too positive. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I've never really thought of that before, nor been aware of it. But since working with you, I've um, been made aware of it in multiple areas and how it's even affected my health. And so I think that's probably the most pervasive thought when I think of being a of of growth. So, okay. So when you say the areas that you've noticed the impact your health and some of these other pieces, I'm curious what, like what feels like the most um, startling impact, or maybe it's just easily coming to mind that we might explore specifically. Mm. Um, just more being aware of, my tendency to not deal with anything negative and that that is where like from my perspective the way a seven thinks just is well I do best for myself and for the world when I stay in positivity and while I will always believe that it's super important to be grateful and positive and I do make those synonymous in my head um it it also is not very kind to myself or to others to avoid a hundred percent the negativity, which even feels wrong saying it right now, but I know it's true from what you've taught me. Does that make sense? So, so realizing that I'm not doing anybody any favors, including myself by not dealing with things that need to be dealt with. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and I think that, um, it's interesting to hear you say that you use positivity and gratitude synonymously, almost this, yeah. <laughs> almost this sense of like, if I if I don't lead with optimism, with sunshine and rainbows, there's some sense of like, I'm not grateful and like, how dare I not be grateful for what is and what has been and what could be. Um, how's that, how's that laid as I share that back? Yeah, no, like even as I sang it, I'm like, she's going to point that out. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, but it is it is the the natural the crease in my brain is that gratitude is the most important thing and that you have to be positive to be grateful. And I recognize that that's not an entirely true statement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you also named just the, the spaces where that positivity has, um, uh, maybe held you back or even the avoidance, like can't, can't continue on, or maybe even just having some spaces. Um, I'm curious what comes to mind. And as you think about like things that have been avoided in your current context is and really yeah. with the invitation, is there something that we can kind of process in your current context uh, to give more space to uh, air it out or to move through more tools around it? Oh, this is great. This is like a free coaching session. I love it. Um, you're amazing. <laughs> um, well, um, I will say probably the thing I should talk about the most is um, my relationship with my mom. So and she won't hear this, so it's okay. <laughs> um, and just thinking about um, my tendency is to always expect butterflies and rainbows in all situations. Mm. So what happens is if I'm only expecting, and I'm using that word expecting because I know that'll be something for you to talk about expectations, but why would there be anything less than butterflies yeah. and rainbows? especially in specific relationships. The problem comes in when there are not butterflies and rainbows and my brain is literally not equipped to mm. handle it. So in order to function with what we know, then you just pack it away, ignore it, which is code for it's still there, but you're not looking at it. Yeah. And then it ends up rearing its ugly head in another way. And so I've noticed it in different seasons where if there's like a, an actual obvious uh, active conflict where there's even like something we're working through and talking back and forth or even working with professional, then it is more obvious that there's negativity. Whereas now I'm in a season where we've gone through the discussion time, we've set really clear boundaries, professionals have made some things really clear, yet the expectations for me I've noticed still at this higher level, but the performance and the reality is not. Yeah. And so now I'm just thinking, okay, September, like how can you be you and still live in hope and positivity and, but yet still be healthy and not be disappointed all the time. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, there's so many pieces that you've named in there and, and just to kind of like unpack some of them, um, that first piece of, of expectations being high and, and the way that you're talking about it, you're obviously naming like this frustration and this disappointment that you're experiencing, but that is actually a skill set and a gift in the type seven structure. It just gets into excess. And, and the skill really is like being able to imagine things and how they could be. You know, we talk about uh, type sevens being in that, um, that idealistic stance, like the, they call it the frustrated idealist, which we'll get to that piece. But, but it's this, this sense of like, Oh, like this could be so good or like so fun or like so hopeful, right? Like these really like, it's almost like you know it in your bones that this could be something. And in that, because you're in the head triad, that gets thrown into imagination. And then it becomes things that either are realistic, whether they happen or not, or sometimes like 
fairy tale. Like this is never going to happen. Like there's not going to be music playing in the backgrounds as we like run into each other's like arms in slow motion, right? Like that's, that's the movies. But because you have that, that strong imagination in that headspace as a gifting, it can get, it can get away from you, right? And not always even in a way that you're aware of the fact that it's been built up. It's just kind of like, oh, this will be better or good or whatever it might be. Um, And so in that, when this big narrative gets created of how good or fun or enjoyable or hopeful something's going to be, it almost amps up something to then, even when it's just good or average, it feels like someone's popping your bubble and it's just like, disappointing, even though it might have actually been good or average. How does that kind of land with you? You are totally speaking my language like you're making me giddy because that's exactly how it is. (laughs) That is exactly how it is. And I was even thinking like, I joke about how when I first got married um, in my, let's see, I was in my mid twenties when I got married and I literally thought that marriage was going to be nothing but like the movies, butterflies and rainbows, like you painted the picture and, and people will giggle. And I'm like, no, seriously. Like, isn't that what it is? And because, and especially as a little girl, you know, you idealize exactly, you know, this, you know, man's going to come in a white horse and rescue you, whatever, whatever. Um, but it is something that, that um, you think, oh, I've grown out of that. But then now as you're talking, Abby, it's exactly, that's exactly how I think. And I feel like you're explaining to more like a future focused, because you said, I know this is how it could be. So it's like this constant, ah, oh, but it could be this. I would say that you hit the nail on the head. Like that is generally the sort, like every conflicting thing in my heart and my brain has to do with that. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's even not just future. It's mostly future. Um, but it can also just be other, like it could be past or, or present of mm-hmm. you know, I just know how great it could be. And, or even just thinking everything is awesome. Like I joke about the Lego movies, but like, everything is awesome all the time in my head. And so then somebody pops my bubble and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why did you pop that? Like I was living in a happy little place and you just messed it up. So it is interesting. You know, in the coaching group that I do with you where we've got aggressive stance gals, I'm wing eight. And so I really relate to the the eight girls a lot. But there was an eight girl that once said, wow, I, the more I'm learning about sevens, I feel like you guys, I feel really sorry for you. I think it'd be really hard to live in your head. (laughs) 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 Yeah. But But yeah. And I think even, I mean, and, and yeah, the, it also felt like a perfect combination in that moment of like an eight tell you how it is. And then also her reflecting on like, yeah, to have this ideal of what could be in this hope for, and then reality hardly ever meeting that like that is a bummer when you lay it out like that right and that's not not how sevens experience it day in and day out right there are a lot of things that that you can infuse with some energy and with some excitement and make it better than it would have been had you not shown up um but for the seven in your mind often things are are always just below the bar of what you were hoping it would have been um and that's hard you know and even as we think about that that uh, you know, whether that's in general or even with your mom, these moments when you show up and it's not as it could have been, it's not as you hoped it would have been, there's a moment of disappointment that 
in the type seven structure instantly gets pushed aside into that avoidance pattern, you know, and whether that is rationalizing it of like, oh, you know, they're trying the best or I shouldn't have worried so much about this or um, it's not as bad as I as everyone's saying it is um, or just purely escaping right? Like thinking about something else, moving into another activity. Um, you know, oftentimes sevens will be as positive as they possibly can. And then when rubber hits the road and it's not working, they just kind of like eject out of the conversation, out of the relationship, out of the moment. Um, but in that, the piece that is not being dealt with is the disappointment. And that feeling, you know, if you kind of like categorize it into a bigger sense is sadness, it's a sadness that's coming and and that like more curated language is disappointment. And in the way that we have any emotion, the invitation is just to experience it so that you can metabolize that emotion so that it comes, is, and goes in the way that it's meant to. But the type seven structure doesn't like that discomfort of emotion, right? Even as I'm talking through this, it's like, ooh, cringy. Um, But how does that lead as I kind of like offer that idea? Yeah, like as you're talking, I'm just like, I long to be able to do that. And, um, and I know like you've t- been teaching me this and it still feels like it's taking a long time because it's just so unnatural for me. And, yeah. uh, you know, like any, anything, whenever we have an opportunity to grow, we have to accept the invitation to grow and we have to do the work behind it. Like as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, I really think I should, and maybe this is a little much, but I think I should probably implement some form of journaling where I even just stop and do one of your really great like presence meditation things and just be in the moment and just, you know, pray and just say, okay, what are some things that that are causing disappointment right now? And just look at them. Cause that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying, Abby, is it is very easy to literally not look at it. Like, you know how yeah. some people cannot stand a messy house. Like they can't handle it. They see every little thing and it makes them crazy and they'll pick up even if it's not their job to pick up. Whereas other people, they just don't even notice it and they're not slobs necessarily. They just don't see it. Like Mm -hmm. as a seven, I just don't, I don't see the negative. If I do, I quickly pivot and go the other direction. Um, And maybe, I don't know if this is a seven thing or just a different gifting than I have, but I can feel it on other people. And so I, I very much can feel people's negative energy and will turn around and go the other direction. I know at one point you were talking about the importance of even as a seven, not escaping a negative person, which is, makes me roll my eyes and I don't like you for it, (laughs) but, um, but just breathing through it and telling myself I'm not going to die, um, which is quite hilarious and dramatic of a statement. But I want to be clear for the listeners that that's how we think. Like we literally yeah. think I have to escape now, almost like a literally super, like an emotionally claustrophobic is what it is situation. Mm-hmm. I have to leave and I have to leave quickly. And so when you're dealing with that in your own mind, you have to figure out a way to escape it. Mm-hmm. Or else it's like you can't breathe. So when you're challenging me to say, you have to feel the emotion and let it metabolize, it makes me want to vomit. <laughs> but I think even as you, uh, one of the things that you said that I think is is really helpful, like as I'm trying to deal with it in my mind, and my invitation is to pull it out of your head space into your heart and body space. So that it is not this like an 
you know, because it is not a mind problem that you're trying to solve. It is in problems, not really great language. It's not a mind area that you're trying to solve. It is a heart space area and your body can be really helpful in grounding you and tethering you so that you don't get blown away in the process. You know, part of what can happen with the type seven structure is that that feeling of suffocation, that emotional suffocation is a really brilliant language around it because it it is, it's like this, the walls are getting closer and closer and it's almost this, this tunnel vision of where's my like eject button, like where's my escape hatch, how do I get out of this? But in that, because your mind is creating this, this, even if you have a visual sense of it, but your mind is creating this, to instead use your body as a resource to have an awareness of what's around you, right? I have physical space around me. I have a life force that I always have access to in my breath. I can you know, bring some awareness to my feet on the ground to tether me so that it doesn't feel like I have to cower and hide from this negativity or I have to bolt and run. But it's almost a sense of like being held gently by gravity of like, I am here and I'm tethered to the ground. I won't get, you know, bulldozed or collided in this in this negativity of someone complaining about their day or going on and on about something. And that's true for your own internal feelings that feel negative, right? And negative is not always a helpful language with emotions because it's not that they're bad, it's uncomfortable with these uncomfortable, tender emotions. I know sometimes sevens don't like tender, that feels just as bad. So uncomfortable emotions. But in that, you know, if you, the invitation is also to build up some capacity to notice that discomfort in the moment before you just escape it. You know, so in these moments with your mom, noticing like, man, this isn't what I wanted it to be, right? And giving yourself some space of just like, gosh, this is like deeply disappointing, right? Whatever language is coming up around it is helpful and just giving yourself a moment. Even if you just step away to the bathroom just to hold your your hand on your heart space, sometimes that's a helpful conduit to kind of get there of like, gosh, this sucks. Like, this is just not what I wanted it to be. This is not what I hoped for, right? And just giving yourself some ability to honor that very human response. So how does that how does that land? Even as I'm sharing that with you, I can I can see in your nonverbals that um, there's something there. So I'm just curious what's there for you. Well, you made me cry. So that's the first thing, but that's a good sign because that means that, um, that you hit something and that that's something that I need to be doing. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so even just in this moment, just in this moment, offering yourself some kindness of just taking a moment to breathe, you know, not fighting back any emotion as it arises, but just allowing yourself to breathe in deeply in through your nose and imagining that breath going all the way down into your belly so that it's filling you up. And it's not just quick chest breathing, but it's sustaining and comforting. You know, sometimes people will put their hand on their heart as just um, like a warmth, like a support, that conduit for like, yeah, I'm allowed to be disappointed. I'm allowed to be hurt by that. That's a very normal response. And it won't blow me away. I'm still here. It's so interesting because, you know, most even leadership training that you receive says, 
you know, to be a great leader, you need to be undisappointable. Mm. And I've, it's always, that's always hit me wrong. Like yeah. when you say, does that resonate with you? Whatever the opposite of that is. I'm like, it is unresonating to me. Yeah. Like, how can I not be disappointed? So I appreciate you giving me permission to be disappointed because it feels very wrong. And yeah. it feels like there's even not only the sadness attached to it, but there's even shame. Like there's something wrong with me if I do get disappointed. Yeah. And then also the other thing I thought of that, that maybe you should address before we close is I think often, especially for someone with my personality, I mean, what works for me to live in my gifting per se is, is the joy and the energy and the action. That's who I am. Like, let's do it. And I'm going to be the one that brings the room up and we're going to do a cheer together and everybody's excited. And I don't, it's hard to know how to be authentically you and let yourself be someone that can be sad sometimes. And And realizing that you have to make space for that because even like as you made me cry, it made me think, look what she did. Like, that's what a good coach does. She did it. Like she, you know, you're good. You're coaching well when you make the person cry. (laughs) That's like the thing with all my coach friends, you know, it's true, but because you got past my outside shell of woohoo, like I'm all excited and you dug in there where that's a place that I guard pretty well because I can't be performing and like, living my day and doing my job, I don't feel like, Yeah. and at the same time going, Oh, that was really disappointing. And like having this moment with myself where I'm crying in my car, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, that's a foreign concept and something I'm welcoming to grow in. I just, yeah. it's, it's very foreign in all honesty. Yeah. Well, and even as you're talking through it, you know, um, the, the like idealized self and that type seven structure is I'm okay. You know, like, I'm okay. Like, I that didn't bother me. That didn't hurt my feelings. This, you know, this hard season, I'm okay, right? And when we shift from this I'm okay and we have a realist of, like, no, I'm not okay, our type structure kind of holds on even tighter of, like, no, we are okay. You have to stay in this space. And that's when some of these unhelpful tendencies get into excess. But the reality is your type structure is not bad. It And all those things you listed of like being, you know, the woohoo and we're excited and we're inspired and we're enthusiastic and we're cheering you on and empowering you through that. You don't want to get rid of those things. Those are all tremendous and they're tremendous gifts into the world that you occupy, the people that you interact with, that you lead, that you coach, right? But when that becomes the only tool in the toolkit and you think that you are not um, you're not allowed to show up outside of cheerleader, that's when your type is in excess and it is it is steering for you without you getting to be present and aware in it. Because the reality is true joy can exist with true sorrow. Those are not mutually exclusive. They can be present even in the moment, right? You think about um, remembering someone that you've lost, that you loved, right? You can have really joyful memories of someone that's passed away that are very mixed with sorrow because both are true in the moment and we're allowed to experience both. So as I share that, what comes up for you now in this moment? Uh, I was just thinking of um, yesterday, you know, often, um, I might be dealing with something sad and not even know it. And that might sound yeah. very strange, probably not to you because you get me, but 
people that they're listening, I don't know if that sounds strange, but I have a daughter that's very sensitive to people and she'll come up to me and say, mom, are you okay? And I'm thinking, everything is awesome. What do you mean? And she's sensing something that I'm dealing with in the surface that I don't even recognize. And that happened to me yesterday. I I went into the coffee shop that I'm at a lot and um, I work there a lot and meet people there a lot. And the owner, one of the owners came up to me and she just like lowered her voice and she said, are you okay? And I'm dressed up and I'm looking professional and I'm there with my laptop and I'm doing my thing. And I'm like, Hey, I'm here. Yet somehow she saw that I was dealing with something and that I was sad. And I said, I think so. And she goes, I can just really see it in your eyes. I've been noticing the last few times you've been in here that you've been carrying some sadness with you. And, Mm -hmm. and while I super appreciate that she notices and cares enough to notice that it is horrifying to me that people can tell Mm. like it's not okay with me in my normal sevenness that anyone would know that I'm anything but excited and grateful with joy, not with grateful sorrow. And so because there is some sorrow that I'm feel like I'm lugging around, it feels more like a weight around my neck instead Mm. of a passenger in the car. And I don't like it to be honest. And so it's very foreign to me. And I appreciate it because you're a part of teaching me that growth. But you know, when you're growing, it's pretty uncomfortable. (laughs) And it's like you've opened the closet and it looked the room was really pretty Abby, but now the closet door has been open and all the crap that I shoved in the closet is now falling out and everybody can see it. And I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. So even in this moment, as, as you were recalling this memory of her asking this to you, right? And this feeling of like, I don't want you to know. I, I, I don't want you to know my sadness, right? Because I don't want to know my sadness, right? What comes up for you in your physical felt sense? So moving out of your thought process, any, any narrative around it, right? But just taking a moment, if it feels more helpful to close your eyes and just taking a deep breath, Sometimes people feel like a heaviness on their chest. Sometimes there's like a tightness in their throat because they're fighting back the emotion. Sometimes there's a rigidity or a buzzing or knots in your stomach. Pulling it out of that headspace into your body, into the felt sense. What do you notice as you breathe and just sense into it? Um, like a dull ache behind my eyes because yeah. I need to release it and cry, but I'm not letting myself. Yeah. Yeah. So just giving yourself a moment, if it feels more comfortable for your eyes to be closed, you know, you also, as you breathe, imagining, obviously your breath cannot go into your eyes, but allowing just the imagination of your breath as a life force, as like a compassion and just imagining it just offering comfort. Seeing if anything changes in that sensation, arises, dissipates. Yeah. It doesn't, my eyes don't feel as heavy. Mm-hmm. What I appreciate about what you're doing, Abby, is you're, you're giving tools for someone to coach themselves and mm-hmm. You know, none of us can have like Abby on the phone every 30 minutes, which is really lovely, <laughs> but to be able to, and I feel like you're also so gifted at your teaching. 
I feel like you're trying to teach me how to love myself where I'm at. And Mm -hmm. I appreciate about you. So thank you. Um, And I'm sorry, there's me like switching really quickly to his positivity, but that's just who I am. That's what I, I, that's what I'm feeling though. So probably then if you want to psychoanalyze that, you're releasing something that is then letting gratitude come out. Mm -hmm. And so I appreciate, I appreciate that because we all need it. I need it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not about forcing ourselves to stay in the moment. It's accepting the invitation and staying as long as you can. And that's okay. If you know, you named like my positivity is coming back online. That's okay. Your type structure is very smart and it is wired to keep out discomfort, but that doesn't mean that we force discomfort to just like grin and bear it and get through it because then that's the assertive stance of just sheer willpower of like, we're going to grow through our emotions, right? That's not helpful either. But accepting the gentle invitations to stay with the emotion for just a little bit longer, for just one second longer than you think you can. And that builds up our capacity because us staying with that emotion is what helps it to be experienced, to be metabolized, to then leave. You know, if when we don't process it, when we don't metabolize it, when we don't allow ourselves to experience it, it just becomes a passenger in the car, like you, that analogy that you gave. Um, and it's just waiting for us to give it some space. But when these moments come, the twinge of disappointment, that feeling of like, oh, that wasn't what I want it to be, or like, how dare you? Why did you say that to me, right? These emotions that come giving ourselves just a few minutes, right? Sometimes people will say like 90 seconds is all it takes to process an emotion that you have in real time, which is just a minute and a half. And that can feel unbearably long, but if you you know, just give yourself a moment to name the emotion as a means of, of uh, bringing awareness to it, to breathe through that sensation and to allow it to come and go in the way that it was meant to. Um, We're going to ask really quick in closing. Can you tell me? So, so can you walk me through? So I'm at the coffee shop. She says something, but she doesn't press. So I noticed, Hey, wait, there must be something sad that I'm dealing with. But here I am in public. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be looking cute. I can't like break down and cry right now. I need to get work done. I've got a lot that gets needs to be done. Mm-hmm. What is, what can I do in that moment in public to metabolize? Yeah. So even think about that moment. Um, If you, you know, you're in a public space, even just walking away to the bathroom real quick, right? You being in the bathroom for a minute and a half is not weird. That's not a long amount of time. Even if you need to like magically touch up your makeup afterwards because you're about to go into a meeting, like that's fine too. But in that moment, if it feels like there's too much awareness, too much space around me, and I I feel like I'm going to have a, a visual emotional response of crying, to just excuse yourself and go to the bathroom for a moment. Even when you're with your, you know, your mom, right? You can go to the bathroom for a moment to collect yourself. But in those moments when we we our type tells us there's not space for this. And what our type is telling us in that moment is like there's not space for you. And that's never true. There's always space for you. And so if you need to do it in a more socially acceptable way by excusing yourself, that's okay. But in that, um, giving yourself a moment to just feel your feet on the floor, sometimes wiggling your toes and your shoes is a helpful way to ground yourself. And just taking three deep breaths, 
three deep, slow breaths to just be present in the moment so that your type doesn't come in full force trying to fix it. Um, because the reality is your type and that positivity, it is, it is covering over and not making excuse for you to be present. And that should never be true. You always get to be, you always get to be present. You always get to be front and center. Um, we just have to make a choice for that to be true. Thank you. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know 30 minutes is never enough time. There's so many other places that we can go. Um, but thank you so much for being in the coaching space with me. It's, it's such a gift to get to be in groups with you, especially for how much time that we've, our, um, our stance group has been going, but, um, but it's really a gift to get to be in a one-on-one space. So thank you for allowing me to share that with you. Thank you. I have plenty of issues you could always fix. So I appreciate you. (laughs) No, seriously, to all the sevens out there, hang in there, keep being happy, but don't be afraid to be sad sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, because both joy and sorrow can coexist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Abby, appreciate you. Hey, Enneagram friends. Thanks for listening in to this coaching episode. It's amazing how much we can learn just by hearing someone else process their experience, share what is true for them, and watch that growth and transformation happen as we have these moments that the lights turn on and we see things more clearly and we have some space to move forward in a way that's more honoring of who we are. My hope though, is that you will join me in the coaching space. There are many ways that you can do that. On my website, there are 30 minute and 60 minute slots that you can just sign up for. If you need some more information about coaching and you want to have a conversation first, you can also schedule a free 15 minute discovery call to check in and explore how coaching might suit and benefit you in this season of life and the things that you are hoping for and the areas that you feel stuck or discouraged when it comes to your Enneagram type. Okay, friends, till next time.